I, I, called, uh, I called dispatch and I asked him who the homicide detective was from, my, from the area that I patrolled in. Come to find out, was a very good friend of mine. I'm like, okay, cool. She, uh, she knows my wife. She knows, she knows me. She'll handle the case just fine. And uh, that's when I took my gun out and I said, uh, here we go. And I put the gun in my mouth. And uh, I said a quick prayer. I wasn't a Christian back then. I felt that God wasn't listening to me. And I started squeezing the trigger. Another deputy pulled up. What's up, everybody? Tyler here from the Antihero Podcast, and I'm selling out for an ad. However, none of this would be possible on the audio platforms without Spotify for Podcasters. Spotify for Podcasters allows me to record, edit, and distribute to all audio platforms for the Antihero Podcast. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, all you need is a mic and a computer. Hell, I don't even think you need that. I think you literally just need your phone. Spotify for Podcasters is for you, so give them a try. So, all right, we have Mark, and you say your last name, Dabona? Dabona. Dabona. Dabona, yep. Okay, cool. Yep. I was butchering that. Though. I'm telling everybody, I got Mark Dabona. <laughs> everybody <laughs> says that, man. So I'm just, I'm, most of the time, I'm correct people. <laughs> so. so you're a huge advocate for mental health for law enforcement, Absolutely. Right? Yep. Um, and I want to get into your uh, your organization that you own. Uh, yep. Okay, yep. wow. Um, but I've seen you on other podcasts and I'm super excited that you came. Um, you're retired law enforcement. Yep, 33 years. <sighs> and you did, did you do some up north? Yeah, I did eight in Massachusetts, and I did 25 uh, here in Seminole County. Oh, okay, yeah. So then the guy, the big, huge ball guy, he's from Mass. Oh, is he from yeah. Mass? I see, that's why we hit it up, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, it's, a, it's a early Sunday afternoon, very cloudy, very rainy, and apparently there was somebody going around. When you live in suburbia, uh, sometimes... People come from not so great neighborhoods and look right. inside your cars right. and see if you got anything valuable in there to which they want to take it. And uh, so I didn't know this, but my neighbors that had happened a couple hours ago, I forgot to tell you, uh, somebody was looking at <laughs> somebody was looking at my might truck. Want, you might want to know that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for me. Somebody was doing the old uh, looking inside the truck. And um, so the neighbors called, you know, of course, and an hour later, the neighbors see Mark show up. Now, for people listening, that can't see. Mark doesn't look like he might have no. been a cop. No. <laughs> he's got long hair. Yeah. He's got a rock and roll shirt on. Absolutely. All long hair, tatted up. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and you also, um, I get kind of confused when people try to explain to me. Lots of people in the area that we work in Central Florida know you. Be, and they're like, dude, so many people have told me you have to get them on your podcast because they went through CIT training. Right. Yep. I went through CIT, which is crisis intervention training. It was part of my the agency I used to work for, it was part of their mandatory like BRT in-house. Sure. Um, Which it so should I, be. So I, I agree with that. Yeah. We did our 40 hours and yep. got our cert and then it's becoming a thing now where you can't, it's one of those things in law enforcement now where don't get caught. Don't let something happen to one of your guys and not have him be CIT because it's, yep. everybody's jumping in and trying to get their guys certified. So, right. uh, it's, but, uh, you teach at that. I do a, uh, usually it's a four hour block of uh, mental health wellness for law enforcement. So, and as you know, a healthy cop delivers a healthy product. So when you're dealing with somebody that has a mental health crisis uh, or having a bad day, and that's not necessarily a mental health crisis, but it does affect you mentally. So my goal in my four hour presentations that I do um, is to show the officers uh, that are taking the class that listen, you have struggles also. And to be a good cop and be a self health, uh, be a healthy person, your mindset's got to be there. So um, 
you can't deliver a good work product if, if you're struggling with something. So when you deal with a person, just uh, say you get a call for uh, somebody that says, hey, listen, I'm, uh, I'm suicidal, and you walk into the house, and you know, you, you know a little bit about it, but we can, I, I can honestly say in my career, I Baker-acted people that probably shouldn't have been Baker-acted, mm -hmm. yeah. and that was a CYA. That's, yeah. that's, that's what that was. As I got more educated, I realized, you know, if somebody's having a bad day, that necessarily means they have to be Baker-acted. So my goal is when, when I talk in the four hours presentation, I, tell, I, I talk about my childhood all the way up to the retirement and then the, the life after the job. Uh, because mental health is so important, and suicide is the number one killer of all first responders. And that's really, really scary. So when you walk in somebody's house and you're having a crisis, and if you sit there, okay, listen, I, I heard somebody talk about this, or I've had my own issues, I think that kind of really kind of gets the, um, um, the happy medium, if that makes any sense. So that's why. So my, in my presentation, I talk about um, I, I talk about my childhood traumas. I'm very open about my childhood traumas. I was uh, I was sexually abused by a police officer. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and his what's really strange is I be I became I didn't like authority figures because of that. And I became a cop for 33 years. <laughs> kind yeah, of makes I think no it's sense. All the time. Some of the some of the best cops are punk rock at heart. Oh, absolutely. They're they're yeah. not government bots. They're yep. not. They're uh they're they're what's best for the people. You know, uh, exactly. cops aren't government robots that enforce things. Cops right. are. But unfortunately, agencies want you to be a robot. Yes. So uh, yeah. that's that's kind of unfortunate. So I talk about my child traumas. I talk about my, my biggest role model ever in my life was my mom, single parent. Uh, you know, raised three of us. Uh, she, she was a truly, truly amazing person. She was my inspiration all through my life. And I talk about her. And then I talk about getting on the job. And I talk about, oh, you know, my first three, four, five years was like amazing. Yeah, you know, I, I, like you lock up everybody. Super yeah, cop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nobody drives. Nobody drives through his own with a headlight out. Yeah. You know. Hey, can you <laughs> Not stay in my run, town? Run? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But you're behind that vehicle, running the license plate, hoping, <laughs> you know, hoping Charles Manson's in front of you. You know. Yeah. And uh, and I love being a cop. I, I really did. But then through the years, you know, you start chilling out a little bit. You don't make the arrests that you normally would make from you know, years back. I call it the five year rule. Yeah. 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 You know what type of cop you're going to be after five years. Right. I call you're, it the honeymoon stage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know. You know. <laughs> So, um, so I talk about, you know, I talk about, I talk in great depth, uh, really in depth about my career. And then when I, um, when I started having some mental health issues, which I was like, what, you know, what, what is this? One of the things that triggered my mental health issue, what was obviously the, one of the biggest things that triggered my health issue was the sexual abuse, but also, uh, when I went to nine 11 and I, I went to the buildings, I was up there, uh, four or five days after it happened, we spent, um, two to three weeks up there wow. and I saw a lot of crap, man. And yeah, I, I really did. And, uh, when I came home, I started having like nightmares from it and I'm like, what, yo, what is this? You know, all the stuff you experienced, all the stuff I've seen years and years. I was yeah. a transit cop in Massachusetts. I saw people hit by trains, you know, and I'm like, you know, this is, a, this is like a little weird. And one thing I distinctly remember about nine 11 was when I was at the buildings, you could smell death. You can smell that burned flesh. It's nasty. It's totally nasty. It's like hell on earth. Yeah. And I also noticed a couple of things also was number one was everybody was somber. You guys get this, you know, the cop humor, you know, we're yeah. joking around. We have that dark humor that wasn't really flowing around too much there uh, at the, at the main buildings. And then I saw it, there's a bunch of tents and, uh, you know, first aid tents, food tents, water tents, you know, but I saw one tent that said, let's talk. And, you know, the, the old school, 19, became a cop in 1985. I'm like, you know, what's this crap? You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, let, let, you know let's, let's, let's talk. You know, we're going to sing Kumbaya. Yeah, you know. And, uh, and I'm looking at the, it was two, uh, a, a man and a woman there, and they're just like talking with the cops, you know. And I'm like, 
So I, so I looked at the uh, I looked I looked at them and they said, "Do you want to come in and come into our tent and talk?" I'm like, "No, I'm good. You know, I'm good." But I'm driving home like, "What the hell do you talk about in that tent?" And that's exactly what they're talking. They're talking about the trauma yeah. that they, they're going through, the, the the mental anguish, obviously the physical uh, the physical anguish also. So that started to bother me. And then um, um, throughout my career, I was never a yes man. Uh, I mean, I went and did my job. I think I gave 100% at my job, and I think I was a very good cop. I was a very good sergeant, um, but I, I didn't drink the Kool-Aid. Yep. And, uh, and both of you guys know this. If you don't drink the Kool-Aid in an agency, you're, you're not going to go too far. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know? <laughs> I, but unfortunately, hey, I just say it like it is. And unfortunately, that, that goes, uh, and I didn't jump on the bandwagon. I didn't sell my soul. Uh, the, the guys and girls that I, that, uh, that I worked with, they came first. The agency came second. And that's, you, may, and, you know, as a sergeant, sometimes you have to make unpopular decisions. But I learned that the, I learned a lot of times that the administration didn't like some of the things I said or did. And then they started becoming nasty to me. And then the people that sold their souls were like, oh, you're, 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 you're anti this, you're anti that. No, I'm just kind of defending myself. And yeah, I, thought that I was, think was some bad. of those people, they can't have mirrors in their house. There's no way you can look at yourself. No. The way some people act, at, when they hit a certain rank, and they move on. I mean, there are people that buy that move, and they can, they, like you said, they keep their soul. They yeah, do and, not, and they can make a difference. They're yeah. very. Yes. I think they're like less than five percent. The rest oh, of them, yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, and, and it's just like I couldn't, you know, like you ever come home? You ever have you ever not made a bad call, but done something, said yes once to something, or wrote somebody up maybe, or just something so small, and you drove home and you laid in bed and you're like, I can't believe I did that. And then you're like, and it's so minuscule, but right. it's, it wasn't you. Right. And you're like, ah, it's just your character got, you know, yeah. that's happened to me a couple of times and I can't sleep and it's a, something so tiny. And I'm like, I, I, I bent my character a little bit. Sure. So. I get that. I, I, I totally, totally get that. But you know, in, in the law enforcement world and the first responder, but more so in the law enforcement world, there is room for error, not mm. fatal error, not by any means fatal error. Uh, but there is, there is room for people to make mistakes. But, but as, as a sergeant or frontline uh, front leader, I don't like using the word supervisor. Um, I work for several supervisors, very few leaders. Mm-hmm. And um, so your job is to, uh, for the people that you lead, number one is, and I used to say this all the time when I taught at the academy was, my job is, is for you to replace me someday. And people would look at me like, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, I, I, I can't be a cop till I'm 100. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, 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 do I want to be. Yeah, I guess, I guess I'm here. I got to grow. Yeah, you know, so, so and uh, it, it might, yeah, I can't teach at the academy forever or anything like that. You know, so I tried to be very, very positive role, uh, be a very, very positive person. But when I saw something I didn't like, like office politics, you know, I mean, it, it, politics and law enforcement is absolutely horrible. And more so working for a sheriff's office. Yeah. You know, that makes it even more difficult. And uh, when I started speaking up, I started getting labeled as disgruntled, as this mean person. He doesn't like anybody. Uh, he's anti this. He's anti that. I'm like, no, I'm just doing the right thing for, for myself and, and, for, and for my people. And the, but I started taking a toll on me. Well, the there's the, I say bullying all the time. Mm-hmm. And it makes me sound like I'm 12 and I'm talking to my dad about junior high school. But... I, bullying in a sense like at our military so what you what you're talking about i've kind of experienced the same thing when i know i'm right and then i'm not saying like um i know i'm right but i'm like in my heart i know i'm coming from the right place and i'm what i'm and other people maybe above me don't agree with that or like me they have the ability to influence everyone Absolutely. so 
like a like a briefing room. Somebody was telling me that this happened to them. Um, uh, a supervisor cut someone down in front of the entire platoon, and then you know, so it was a he was a you know a twenty year cop. He brought up an issue. Supervisor didn't like it, and so the supervisor called him out. And it, in front of all these new kids, and it was like everybody turned and like, is that guy not who we thought he was? Is he a shitbag? That's tasteless. You know? that, yeah. that's totally tasteless from the word go. Um, and what does it do for that person? That, that person that was belittled does nothing for him. You you know, there's a right way of, of talking to somebody. First of all, you don't you don't criticize somebody in front of a group of people. That's like the the worst thing ever you ever you could do. And but that's basic supervisor 101. But that person has to feel powerful. It has to feel like, look, I just, I just, I just spread my wings in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. Now they know I'm the boss, and that, and that's tasteless. But also, the guys and girls that witness that are like, okay, what just happened here? Yeah, they you don't know. know. That, that, that's that's not cool. That's 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 not not cool at all. And when you beat somebody down, beat somebody, and I use the word bullying all the time. Also, okay. when you bully somebody, eventually it's like pushing a dog into a corner. Eventually, it's going to come out biting, yeah. you know, or, you know, and it's just wrong. But, uh, and, and, and this is going to sound really, really weird when I say this. I, just the other day, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I'm in Publix. I'm walking around Publix. Now, again, I don't look like a cop, okay? You know, the, the, <laughs> the long hair, the tattoos and all. So, I'm, I'm walking down the aisle, pushing my cart. There's a guy walking towards me. This guy I used to work with. Never care for the person, but you're committed, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't bang a Yui, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, that's my Boston expression, can't bang a Yui. Yeah, you know? And, uh, and I'm walking towards him, I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? We, you know, we shake hands, and uh, first words out of his mouth, he looks at me, he goes, what's up with your hair? Yeah, and, and I, I said, uh, it's, I'm living the dream. Has that, Toxic has that, much? Yeah, yeah. So I go, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, you know, uh, your, your form, and my sheriff and your former sheriff is a former Marine, and uh, he believes in high and tight haircuts, so you're actually disrespecting him. How, how, how do you... Be- <laughs> like, why didn't you stop and say hi to him? Why didn't you yeah, just keep yeah. going? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just like, you know, I'm not usually not lost for words. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I'm like... Okay. Uh, yeah. At best, you're expecting a fake. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, and yeah, then- and I can live with that. You know, pat it back. Hey, yeah, let's grab a beer. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you know. And I'm looking at him. I go, that's one of the most stupidest things I ever heard in my life. I, I, I go like, well, he goes, well, you haven't changed one bit. I said, uh, no, 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 I haven't. He said, well, I just think it's total disrespect. Okay, I said, okay. And now we're having like a loose standoff. We're like just looking at each other. I go, anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, you know. And he's like, no. And uh, I, I said, all right, bro. And I, and I go walk away. He goes, make sure you get that haircut. Yeah, like, Sounds like a cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. But, but, you know, you go, both you guys know you're on the job. He's still on the job. Both you guys know that, you know, you, you got to drink the Kool-Aid to survive. Now, does he really believe himself by saying that? I, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. And the, now, this guy was a total suck-up from the word go. Yeah. yeah you know, uh, but I was just like, my goodness. I thought to myself, here I am four years later. And this crap is going on, you know. Gosh, jeez. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I I believe that um, it, it's really hard to explain this, but I'm trying to put it out as much as I, I believe that people that are full of shit and selfish and have all the bad qualities that are in a job like ours, um, they can smell a righteous person coming a mile away. Oh, absolutely. They, you, before you even meet them, they're hearing about you. Right. They're hearing this guy says it how it is. This guy is going to bring good to the surface. He's going to shed light on mm-hmm. issues. Maybe issues that uh, would paint me in a bad picture if, if, if this guy came 
or I I lose a lot of credibility when this guy comes because he's gonna he's gonna figure out I'm full of shit, right? And not and he may expose me. So let's not let's make his life hard. Sure. And I because you don't you don't fit into that um, uh, pretty picture, you know, like whatever whatever, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. yeah. And um, and what they a lot of times what they do is they try to mold you into their beliefs. And if, but again, if you don't believe what they believe in, then oh, mess, oh, you know, you're a bad guy. You know, like, like, think about this for a second. The nationwide politics that's going on right now. If you don't jump on the bandwagon, you're labeled racist, homophobic, all that stuff because you don't believe in something that somebody else believes in. So you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. What happened to this equal whatever? Yeah, you're allowed to think. Yeah, you're you're allowed to think. And also, yeah. a gr- a room full of people with opinions is going to get a lot more done. Oh, absolutely. Then people who one guy says something and they all go, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately, and you just nailed it right there. Unfortunately, um, a lot of weak people surround themselves with people with, uh, that tell them what they want to hear. You know, and, and it's just it's just wrong in so many ways. Now, you know, granted, sometimes my delivery wasn't the best by 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 any means, and you know, and I I don't know to my my own situation, but when uh when when the one of the things that led to my suicide attempt was being punked and being bullied by, by my immediate supervisor, which was a lieutenant, because I was a sergeant. And this guy would just punk me any chance he could get and just bully me, talk down to me, ridicule me, wow. make fun you know, make fun of my accent. You know, dude, that's all you got? <laughs> you know? Uh, turn it on a personal level, uh, send some crap about my wife, uh, which obviously that didn't go over too well, uh, and, and things like that. But, but he was such a suck-up and he was such a company man that nobody believed me. So I just let him abuse me, abuse me, and abuse me. Uh, and I, I would fire back, and he would write me up if I fired back, you know. And then, but eventually, it just takes a toll. Mm-hmm. Now, think about this for a second. In, in, in the law enforcement world, we see toxic. Everything's toxic in, in the law enforcement world. You know, we go we go to a domestic violence call, we child abuse, homicide scenes, dealing with homeless. These are all toxic incidents. And now you go into work. Oh, I'm sorry, you're with the coworkers. And they're toxic to you. Yeah. Where, where's your outlet? Well, here's your outlet. You start drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you self self medicating. You become disgruntled. You become pissed off at the world. But what's what's that doing? That's affecting you mentally and obviously physically also. So when you again, so when you get bullied and all that stuff, and then going back to my childhood trauma, being bullied because because sexual abuse is a bully, um, and it, more so to be bullied, uh, be sexual abused by a cop. That's just that's it. That takes us to another level. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to make excuses. No, but it's but uh, it got, you know, and then the traumas of the job also. And uh, what led another thing that led to my suicide attempt was uh, I had a baby, a four months a four months old baby, die in my arms. That'll do it. And then oh yeah, because yeah, that's almost I, that, that's like a given. I don't want to yeah. say that. I don't. This is going to sound really bad, but I mean that's almost like a. If it was going to happen to somebody, it was going to happen to you. It was, I don't know. It, right. Almost like you. That's, it, that seems just like the worst path that like maybe it was chosen for you to do what you do now. Well, as a Christian, I've only been a Christian now for about maybe five or six years. And uh, as a Christian, I understand now that the Lord sends you down a path for a reason. You learn from that. Uh, you learn from your triumphs and you learn from your fails also. And uh, yeah, so that so th- that incident of the baby dying in my arms and being bullied led me down the path of let's let's get better and let's help others because now I'm not the only cop that ever attempted suicide. I'm not the only cop that's diagnosed with PTSD, depression, and anxiety. Okay, so when I became 
uh, when I had my suicide attempt, I you know I felt very do you, alone. Do you mind talking about it? Oh no, I'm I'm a, I'm open book. I, I yeah. actually enjoy talking about it. To because be honest I, with you, I know a lot of cops that would really benefit from talking about it, but they just like you said it before in another podcast. The second you go on there and say that, you're you're labeled forever. Oh, absolutely. You'll you'd be lucky if they weren't showing up at your door taking you out. Right. You know. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I. Um, so you know, I kind of laid the groundwork on what led up to my suicide attempt. Now, also when when you when you're struggling mentally, a lot of stuff happens to you. You start having marriage problems. Also, um, you self medicate. Like one of the things I self medicated was it sounds really weird when I said I self medicated with food. Uh, I gained like 40, 45 pounds like in, like in four or five months. So I wasn't happy with my appearance also. So then I became uh, very angry about my appearance. One thing that my wife said to me several times was, you need to get help. And I said to her, you got to be kidding me. Cops don't get help. We give help. If I, if I go get help through the agency, they're going to put me on the rubber gun squad. They're going to tuck me in a corner somewhere. They're going to take away my badge, my gun. And guess what? I'm going to be more miserable than I am now. But you would have been. Oh, absolutely. At yeah. that time, yeah. You, yeah. you wouldn't have been able to take that time and go, wow, you would have been like, this fucking sucks and it would have oh, been worse. Big time. Yeah, big time. You know, but I was also afraid to to, uh, to say that I was struggling. Uh, even to myself, I, I was afraid to say I'm struggling, you know, because it, it's maybe, maybe it's an ego thing or, or, or just whatever. But, um, you know, sleepless nights. Uh, the, the nightmares were so bad about the baby, about 9-11, about my, my childhood trauma, that I was afraid to go to sleep, if that makes any sense. No, it does. And what I would do, I would medic- medicate myself to go to sleep, so I would drink, you know? Uh, now, don't get me wrong, I, I still like my beer, I still like my bourbon, I just don't drink like I did excessively back then, because uh, I'm surprised I didn't lose my job sometimes, because I was probably going to work half in the wrapper. Yeah, you know, and, and obviously that's not good also. So the night that I decided to, I wanted to die by suicide, everything just hit me all at once. I was, I was in my cruiser, I was sitting there, and I was thinking, yeah, hey, listen, yeah, I got a bad evaluation, I got below standards of eval, he was totally nasty to me in the eval. Um, he would say things to me like, when I speak, I am the sheriff. Um, that's yeah, I, I know, I know. The well, sheriff speaks through me. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of creepy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, it's like God. Yeah. What do you call that? God complex. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh, you think? Yeah, yeah. Yo, yo, yo. He couldn't put his head through the door. You know what I mean? Because he's, so, he's such an ego. You know, and yeah, uh, you know, you know I'd be honest. I like to talk to him someday about it. Yeah, I really would not. Would I lose my cool? Let's hope not. You know, I mean, I probably won't. I'm in a better place now, so pr- probably not. But I was in my cruiser and I was evaluating my whole life and it, my, my life sucked. It just totally, totally sucked. Um, so I just sat there and thought, sat there and then I thought to myself, you know something? I'll show them. Now hear me out when I say this. Um, most cops that die by suicide, studies have shown that 87% of cops, active cops, die by suicide in their cruiser or in their uniform or at their station. Now, I have three college credits of psychology, so I know this. Okay, so 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 here's the here's the deal on that. What are they doing? They're sending a message. That the message is loud and clear. Look what you did to me. Now most a lot of cops don't leave a note. I left a very very detailed note, uh, right from uh, I. There was a lot of MFs in the in the in the uh, note, but it was just real. I, I I was very nasty in the note. On the flip side, I gave it I, the note. My mother was still alive, and my note was, on the flip side I was to my wife and my mom, and I called myself a coward, a loser. Uh, there was no "I love you"s in there uh, or anything like that, you know. And uh, so when I was sitting in the car after I got done wrote, writing the note, I'm like, no, no, this, 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 no, there's, there's, there's no way, uh, uh-uh, uh, you know. And then um, 
I t- and I, I taped the um, the note to my rearview mirror, and I stared at that and stared. Now I taped it with evidence tape, and I put in a paper plastic holder. So that's kind of yeah, kind of thought out. You know, you know yeah. what I mean. I, I called uh, I called dispatch and I asked him who the homicide detective was from my for the area that I patrolled in. Come to find out, was a very good friend of mine. I'm like, okay, cool. She uh, she knows my wife. She knows she knows me. She'll handle the case just fine. And uh, that's when I took my gun out and I said, uh, here we go. And I put the gun in my mouth and uh, I said a quick prayer. I wasn't a Christian back then. I felt that God wasn't listening to me. And I started squeezing the trigger. Another deputy pulled up. Uh, this deputy's name is Craig McGee. We used to call him the Whopper. Um, and he talked me down. Definitely, definitely, no doubt saved my life that, that, that night. But he did say to me one thing, if you don't get help, I'm going to Baker Act you. And uh, I, I said, you know, Craig, I get Baker Acted, I'm done. They're, yeah. they're, they're going to get rid of me. They're, they're looking for a reason to get rid of me now. Yeah, yeah you know. And um, so we talked some more. I went back, to, I went home that morning. Uh, I, I called my, my, my watch commander, made some BS story that I wasn't feeling good. Um, went to my pool about midnight that night. And... Um, how drink. long ago? How long after this was this? Uh, this was the same night. Same night. Same okay. night. Yeah, yeah. Um, started drinking at my pool. Had my gun at the table. Said this time there's nobody here to stop me. You know, but if my wife would hear the gunshot, but by the time she comes downstairs, guess what? There's there's, there's no turn. There's, no, there's nothing she can do. So I put the gun back in my mouth, but I started thinking about my wife. Started thinking about my family. Started thinking about my coworkers. Started thinking I'm like, yeah, you know something. I got, I, I got to, I got, I got to get some help. I, I, I really, really do. Called a friend of mine in Boston, uh, very good friend of mine. He was at my wedding, and uh, he said, "Come up to Boston." The reason why I went to Boston because I didn't want Florida to know nothing about it. And um, I went to Boston. Um, I got Baker acted while I was in Boston because yeah. I became non-compliant. Um, and hear me out when I say this: I to the point where I was in a hospital bed with my ankles and my wrists secured. I became combative. Um, and that's that, that we wearing a papal gown with a catheter. Yeah. You know, it did no, nothing good's coming out of that. You know, yeah. nothing, nothing. I signed myself, I signed out AMA against medical advice, came back to Florida. I was miserable, more miserable than, than I was, I was originally. And, um, but I started listening I said, you know, something, maybe I need to get some, get some therapy. I am finding my, my current therapist. I'm still in, still in therapy. Uh, I highly recommend therapy. Um, she changed my life. My, my therapist. I became a Christian. God changed my life. Also, my marriage got back on track. Uh, my my wife is my my backbone. She she could have got up and said, "Listen, I'm I'm tired of your crap," but she stood by me through the the worst times of our marriage and in the greatest times. Our marriage now uh, next month will be 32 years we've been married, and wow. uh, that's that's just absolutely amazing. So when I came out with my issues, I thought, "Oh my God, hey, wow, oh holy holy shit, Mark, wow," it was the exact opposite. Oh whoa, whoa, you can't talk about that. You know, that, that doesn't happen at our agency. Did you really actually get, were you just getting that vibe or were you being told? Oh, I was told that. I, 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 was, I was literally, literally, literally told by that. I was told also that, um, and I, I'm, I, you know, I, I, it's, I know it's not my fault, but I'm embarrassed to say this. I was also told when I do presentations, you cannot mention you're a Samuel County Deputy Sheriff. That was a slap across my face. I don't care what anybody says. Because uh, I was very proud of where I was to, to now. Yeah. When I came out with my issues, I came out very angry, very anti-agency, but through the time, I toned it down. Yeah. And um, so it, it, it got a lot better, but I honestly felt I didn't have the support from my department. Uh, some people, some people in high rank, they just support me, but I would say majority of the people, I was labeled as a troublemaker, and I was also labeled as, as an attention seeker. Wow, for yeah. real? Yeah, oh, you're trying to get promoted. 
I was a sergeant for 19 years <laughs> and I, 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 <laughs> on midnights. <laughs> yeah, so, but I, I, I never took lieutenant's test once yeah. because I liked the level of, of, of sergeant. I thought that was great, but I thought I could make a difference. I couldn't even get on my peer support team for a while. You know, oh, you're going to push suicide. What's up here, support team? Uh, yeah, yeah uh, in, in-house agents, uh, in-house unit that um, supports their their their. Uh, okay, I yeah. think everybody had it. Yeah, I yeah, they called it something. Else. Yeah, some call it critical instance stress yes, management. Yeah, is, yeah. Uh, CIT is another, another word for it. So, but I could I couldn't get on that because I pissed off the person that ran that unit, and uh, I was like, wow. So then I said, you know something, I'm going to be Mark Devonna now. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to tell my story loud and proud. People judge me. I could care less. At this point, are you still employed? Are you? I'm still yet? employed. Okay. Yeah, but I. Uh, but every once in a while, I, I put in to uh, take time off to go to go do a presentation or go or talk. No, uh, no, nah, nah, we we can't give you that time off for that because mm. they're trying to shut me down, you know. And then uh, uh, the president sheriff of Central County, he 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 kind of gave me the green light. Um, so so I, I actually give him a lot of credit. He he gave me the green light and uh, he he supported my endeavors. And, uh, but I, but I also knew when I hit my 25th year, I'm like, you know, I'm tired of this crap. <laughs> you know, I did 25 in, in, in Florida. I did eight in Massachusetts. I did 33 years total. You know, I went into, I went into uh, drop. I was in drop one month and I tapped out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. I and and life you. has been good ever since. So that's kind of the Reader's Digest version of that. Um, I, I really, very much enjoy doing it. But yeah, I think, I think the most personal satisfaction I get is like when after I get done with a presentation, when somebody comes up and either gives me a hug or shakes my hand and said, hey, I've been there, or how do I get some help, or thank you for sharing. That's, I, yeah, I don't, do, I don't do it for the, you know, like somebody said to me, oh, I, I saw on your Facebook page you were in California, then you were in Texas. Yeah, that stuff's cool. Don't get me wrong. But I don't do it for the glamour and glitter. I do it for the right reasons. Wow. Yeah, and especially a lot of people they don't understand um it's still really bad in our job um obviously it's get, i'm just gonna as a strong male you first off as a strong male are telling yourself you don't need help a lot of people that see you are like you don't need help you know i, I just feel like as a cop um when you go somewhere and say this is a hostile work environment everyone's gonna go no, it's not. You're no, fine. you're the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been there lots of times where different, you know, I, I've been in places where in, in squads where I didn't want to go to work because my supervisor would just make it awful. And sure. it, like, you know, it, no one should ever have to deal with that. And anywhere else other than cop work mm-hmm. um, would address that. HR would be like, OK, well, we can't have this. Let's look into it. Right. Um, now, I'm also a, an advocate of you don't get to pick your supervisor you don't get to pick your fto and that's the military i mean you it's you know but as it should never make you not want to come into work and if that's the case that's an issue and someone if you tell someone you know i lieutenant watch commander i literally my stomach hurts i don't want to come into work because of my sergeant there should be a sit down there should be at least to hear it out there's there's got to be i use i use this terminology all the time called difficult conversation you got to have a difficult conversation with yourself with your coworkers, with your bosses, and all that stuff, you got to have that difficult conversation because if not, it's the elephant in the room. But I will say this: I, I and I'm not going to mention this person's name by any means. I worked with a, a person that, uh, when they made sergeant, four months later, 
six out of eight people in their squad put in for a transfer. Yeah, have yeah, yeah. You know where they? Well, they're disgruntled. Yeah. 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 No. Oh, that's a, that's coincidental. Right. Yeah. 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 The FBI would call that a clue, right? Yeah. 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 You know. And I, I just said to myself, you know, and then I, I got vocal about it. I'm like, why aren't we looking at the sergeant? What the six people that train? And I talked to all the six people that transferred. They're like, this person's absolutely horrible. You're making our life miserable for us, micromanaging us, on and on. We have enough trauma dealing with the public, and then now our person that we could we should be going to if we need advice. Or, or career enhancements instead of making life miserable for you because I'm the sergeant, that's why. Mm-hmm. you know, Or I can do this for this reason and on and, and on and, and I on. Th- I'm, I'm I think sorry. Admin would have to look and go, Ooh. they would have to take responsibility for this supervisor, right. not leader, a supervisor that they put in that position of authority and they'd have to go, our bad. And I think a lot of people tend to not want to do that. They want to see if it's going to work itself out. Sure. They don't want to be like, oh, we shouldn't have put him here. Right. We made this problem. And sometimes it is what it is. But I've seen the same thing where I work actually recently. Mm-hmm. One supervisor, wave after wave of the way my agency does it is they put out all the openings at one time for the whole agency. And everybody can move around based right. on their seniority. And it was just as soon as people were off probation, they were going to worse squads time-wise you know mm-hmm. we have days evenings and midnights people were going to midnights just to get away just to get away and it was it was happening wave and wave and wave and she had the probationary squad she had the right. squad of people that had no they couldn't leave right wow. so they have so what you have to do ride it out yeah. uh but and, and all three of us in the circle we know what it's like to go to work and you're not happy yeah or, or you're just so you know like are you kidding me you know what so when, when bosses go out of their way to make it miserable for people, uh, it's just it's just wrong in so many it's just wrong in so many ways. But the, I, what I've learned in my thirty three years of being a cop, a lot of times if there's if there's an issue, it's easier to just push it aside. Mm-hmm. You kind of pretty much what you just said instead of addressing the problem, you know. But a lot of cops also won't speak up because they're afraid they're going to get blackballed, or they're afraid they're going to look like a crybaby, or they're worried about their career enhancements, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, or that that person's a whiner, or that person doesn't get along with somebody because they told them to do something. You know, it's, it's, come on, let's, let's not stop the madness. Let's, let's just do the right thing for our people. I think that um, you should, when you assess the job for your life, now, again, I, I sometimes we get really cynical on this show, mm-hmm. jokingly, like, you know, yeah. but if, um, if you ever feel like law enforcement is running your life and you're making decisions with your family and more, uh, you know, the job's not right for everybody, I Dude, I meet so many people that did five years and they left. Uh, mm-hmm. My wife's one of them. Right. You know, she's super glad she did it. It's a great life. You learn, like, in hyperdrive in life mm-hmm. about being a cop. But um, I, I tell people, if, yeah, again, trying to sound positive. <laughs> I tell people all the time, think about these people, um, this job and the people you work with. I can tell you 1% of every cop that I've been friends with work friends with because you're not really it's like the military you know you do you go through trauma with these guys right, and girls yeah, so yeah. um but you might not have picked that person to be your best friend right. in life you know um right. so you you know it's these people cops and i want to also get your opinion about this and mm-hmm. um cops bathe in sin for 12 hours a day they are in the places mentally spiritually physically that no one else can or will not go. They, right. they, the cops put themselves in it. They choose to do it. I think sometimes as a young kid, you don't know what you're putting yourself into. Right. Um, 
cops, I think, are the first ones to make really bad decisions in life. They are. When you, um, when you're getting, this is it's awful. But when you see a cop getting in process at the jail, for, we're not talking cocaine running and smuggling. Those guys are they destroy they ruin the badge. Oh, people like real criminals that wear a badge. I'm talking about the guys that have let it eat them alive to to such an extent that, you know, they do something really stupid like drinking and driving domestic violence it's something that if they had five seconds to rethink their decision they wouldn't have done it right and uh th- see how many of those guys call you the next day exactly, exactly. there will be people that oh call a- you. A- absolutely but, but but you know there's no this expression goes you know who your friends are when you're down yeah you, you yeah. know and uh and i use this expression all the time too you may love the job but the job doesn't love you yeah, you so know and, and i and I, I used to say this to uh, all the time especially to the younger cops i used to um you know Take some time off, okay? Now, I, I, I should practice my own medicine because, uh, you know, at one time I worked every detail and get my hands on every overtime. Working eight days yeah, a week. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> now, I have some nice stuff from that, but, you know, how much time did I miss doing <laughs> things that I should be doing, you know? Um, so I, I, I used to tell the younger guys, well, you know, I can't leave my zone vacant. Or I, 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 I'm, I said, let me tell you something. You take a week off, the agency's going to run just fine without you there. And guess what? When you retire... It's going to run just fine without yeah. uh, there also. Uh, one of the things, I, I retired on, a, I remember I retired on a Thursday. And um, Thursday, about, uh, and I retired. I'm, I'm all excited. I'm, I'm good to go and all that stuff. The next day, I'm driving d- down the road. I got behind my cruiser. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. That, that hasn't even been 24 hours, you know? <laughs> And I can be honest, it kind of pissed me off, you know? <laughs> so I'm looking at it, I'm going, you you got to be shitting me. I'm thinking to myself, you know? So so we come up to a red light, and I look over at, at, at my cruiser, and somebody driving I didn't like on top of that. Oh. Yeah. So it's a double whammy. But that said right there, I said to myself, that's how replaceable you are. Yeah. And the day I retired, when they, when they made the announcement I retired, there were people thinking, oh, my God, there's a sergeant opening now. Yeah, yeah. oh, oh, cool, cool. Then no. I hate... Yo, good luck with good luck yeah, with yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a good one, but yeah, 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 yeah. Let's move on. Yeah, you know, and I, and I'm thinking, but then I, th- I said to myself also, you know, something good for them. You know, if, if they think they can do a better job than me, maybe they can, and hopefully they will. You know, but it, but it's just we just devote too much time to our career sometimes. Yeah, and, you know, and and I, I still, I, you know, four years of being retired. Uh, every once in a while, I get behind. Oh, look at the expired tag. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at that guy just blew that red light. Yeah, you know, you know? Yeah. Or, or I'm like. Oh, this guy's got some dope on him, yeah, you know, yeah. or something like that. But I've learned now to separate from the job, yeah, you yeah. know. And and we, we definitely don't want young kids to not, you know. That's the hardest thing for me is like when I was an FTO, um, you know, you love the spirit, you love you love how they want to be there so bad that they won't take a day off, right. and you have to kind of tell them in a specific, like a, you have to talk to them in a certain way to where. You start planting the seed of thinking about yourself first. Yep. Planting the seed. Because yep. if you hit them with, dude, don't let, if you hit them with all the stuff we just talked about day one in your car, they're going to go, this guy's just old. Right. He's going to get off the <laughs> yeah. job. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I'm yeah. ready to go out there. Oh, yeah. Kill yeah. It. <laughs> I'm going to kick some ass. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that was one of my biggest things in yep. FTO. Like, especially like, I would have kids go looking at their phone and I'm like, you all right? And they're like, my wife's calling me. I'm like, Call pull the answer car over. Call. Yeah, I was like, it. you yeah. need to call, talk. If your wife, if anybody from your family calls you, yeah. or anybody, it's your life. Your yeah. life comes before yeah. this job. I trust the fact that right. you're. If you want to look at memes, you're gonna wait. Right. If right, someone's right, trying right, to contact right, you, right. and it's just yeah. you know, I, 
I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. I always tell, I always tell the story was, um, a good, good friend of mine. He was, uh, uh, they were in a big birthday party for him in Massachusetts. So his wife called me and he, he went over, you know, my wife can come up there and celebrate his birthday party with him. I think he was turning to like 50 or something like that. And I, I remember like it was yesterday, I'm on a homicide scene and I'm standing, I have my phone in my hand and the dead person is literally like a foot away from my phone rings. I'm like, hold on guys. And I answer it. I'm like, Hey Lisa. Hey, you know, she's, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm on homicide. Saying, oh, I'll call you back. I just want to make sure everything's good for you coming up here. I'm like, no, no, I got all the time in the world for you. This guy's not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so I, and, uh, and it, whoa, you, you're on a homicide scene. You answered a phone call. Yeah. Cause it was an important call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and, but especially when it's a family member or a close friend, like, like, like my friend Lisa is, you, you know, it's just like, Hey, listen, you know, this five minutes I take for a phone call is, 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 is nothing. Yeah. Is, isn't the thing thing now we can text Yeah, You know what I mean? So just keep your family in the loop of, yes. of, of, of law enforcement. Cause let me tell you something, your family will always be for there. The job won't be for you all the time. Yes. You know, I, I, again, retired for four years. I talked to maybe two or three people from that agency. At first I was like, Oh, you know, nobody, you know, but now I'm like, you know, I, I've moved on and guess what? So have they, mm-hmm. you know, if they wake up and say, Oh, listen, I get to call Mark DeBarna. You know, great. That sounds good. If they don't, well, so be it. You know, that, that's, that's how I look at it. Yeah. And, uh, I, my supervisor, um, you know, we clash a lot in good ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's one of those supervisors right now. That's, um, I guess what, what I'm getting at is, well, I'll tell it first. He's a, yeah. Well, no, he's one of the guys that like if you say, "Hey, I have a, f- a family issue," he'd be like, "Then why are you here?" Right. Um, but you have to be. So it all starts with the supervisor. If you have good relationships with your guys, you sh- you won't have to worry about when someone says, "Hey, Sarge," calls you and says, "I have this going on." You don't have to worry about are they lying? Are right. they? You know. Right. You, tr- you great, trust. Them. Yeah. Yeah, and and. We have certain parts of the agency I work for that are rotating doors and can't catch up because um, I've tried to tell the captain at the time this um, mm-hmm. and during a briefing he came and sat in. And I said, the reason why this entire area of this population is policed by new kids is because you have a rotating door of supervisors that come do their year and get out. Right. I was like, you have to have good leaders. And I'm stealing this from my buddy who was sitting right where you are. But he said, good leaders create good squads absolutely uh, you'll see you'll see guys that won't leave a squad right because that sergeant's there right and it's not because they're like oh i love him it's because they go to work knowing that they're a team they're you know being led the boss has their back yeah 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 and, and that 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 goes a long long way um because your boss either pretty much makes you or breaks you there's 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 no there's no there's no doubt about that but when 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 you decide to become a boss and you take in your agenda is now okay i just made sergeant now i want to be a lieutenant then i want to be a captain that's great don't get me wrong yeah 100 that that's great but his and i i used to train new sergeants i said in this next 18 months that you're that you're a sergeant before you can test for lieutenants i'm going to give you a homework assignment they're like what's that be a good sergeant yeah they're like, well, well, I want to move up the uh, corporate ladder. Well, good for you. But listen, you've got to learn your people skills. You've got to learn communication skills. You've got to learn to do the right thing for your people. Now, granted, sometimes, again, I think I said this earlier, you have to make an unpopular decision. Or, you know, you have to, hey, guys, knock the crap off. Or, no, I'm sorry, I can't do this for you. Yep. Okay? That comes, with, that comes with it. But if the people that you lead respect you, 
they're going to like, okay. There's a reason. There's a reason. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a reason. You know, you have a squad of 10 and nine of them want the next weekend off. <laughs> yeah. That's probably, that's probably going to be a no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. And then yeah. It's yeah. little things like that too. Yeah. It's just, yeah. That's it. Yeah. And they know like, uh, that's the, you know, if it goes, I think it goes back to just they trust you like you trust them. Sure. If if you had a sorry, you don't understand. I have this going on. Mm-hmm. All right, let's make it work. And I trust that you're not lying to me. Right. And now we're gonna. I'm not gonna. If you have X amount X going on in your life, you have you can't be here. Right. So let's figure out. Let's start making phone well, calls. Well, let's touch on this for a second. Also, a good boss knows something about his people. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, it just, they, they know if they're married, divorced, separated, if they're in a relationship, not in a relationship, or, or something like that. So I'm going to use marriage issues. One of your, your people on, on your squad is having marriage issues, okay? They're coming to work, and they're, they're not proactive like they used to be. They're, they're walking and moping around and stuff like that. You know, you got to sit them down and say, listen, what can I do for you? Okay. If they want to talk about it, that's great. Absolutely. And you, you start using your referrals, start using your peer support, your critical incident people, uh, or, or, or stuff like that. But you have to show your people you have their back on a personal level also. Well, yeah. here's the thing, though. You have to mean it. Yes. Because yes. I've seen horror stories where people are like, oh, we got them. Yeah. And they'll bring them in in a condescending way and goes, is everything okay at home? Yeah. I've had my buddy Sam, he's a, they threw an EAP packet, said oh, you're yeah. not performing well. Yeah. They didn't ask him. Hey man, like take take the vest off. Take yeah. Hey dude, what's going on? Is everything okay? And the reason why I ask is because I saw this. Right. Start opening up. I know we're not. I know we're street counselors, but we're not professional counselors. No. But no just open no. up some kind of dialogue where that person can go. Okay, I'll talk to you. Yeah, and, you yeah, know. yeah. This person's being cool, but more so being sincere. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. You know. you know, and you know, sometimes what I've learned also is agencies, it's a checkbox. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, yeah, I, but, <laughs> yeah. CYA. Oh, see, I've covered my ass on this. Here's your EAP pamphlet. Uh, here's, uh, here's this, here's that. It's a checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. Okay. And that's, that, that, that's fine. But, but the day you lose empathy and compassion for the people that you supervise, that you lead, or the day you lose empathy and compassion for the people that you serve also, you might want to start thinking about checking out. Yeah. You, you and, know, because uh, everybody, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer in empathy and compassion because you could be that person struggling someday. The person... You probably uh, will be it. Yeah. The person that... Tra- when I was Baker acted in Massachusetts, the person that trans- transported me to the facility, the, 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 the police officer, was nothing but nasty to me. You know, get over it. Move on called me tough guy you know and he, and he was like 23 years old dude i was making arrests when you were in diapers yeah yeah yeah, yeah you know what i mean yeah you know and i'm like he's probably pissed he's got a code here he's trying to find dope oh yeah 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 he's got some, he's got some perp dope yeah yeah you know but and, and one thing I, I distinctly remember was the way he talked to me when i was in that back seat handcuffed mm-hmm. and the way he talked to me i'm like i i, I thought we were brothers he knew but, you were a cop oh yeah oh absolutely knew i was a cop yeah and then when I was standing um, at the facility waiting to go in, uh, I was very nervous. Um, I lied to my wife and said, hey, listen, I'm going to Boston. I'm going to go hang out with my mom. You know, yeah, maybe I'll get some help while I'm up there and on and on and on. But I was, I was standing in that waiting area uh, and I was shaking. I'm thinking, oh, my God, I, I've just been Baker acted. It's, I think it was worse than getting arrested, to be honest with yeah. you, you know. And um, so he had his hand on my arm, and I looked at him and said, "Hey, man, you know, you have to. You know, I'm not going anywhere. I'm, you know, I'm one of you, man. I'm, you know." And uh, so when he put his hand back on my arm, I tensed up, and he kind of grabbed my wrist and kind of put me like in a bent wrist lock. And I'm in handcuffs, 
And he's, don't try me. Don't try me. Oh my God. I'm like, dude, seriously. It got to the point where he put me against the wall. You know? But I, now I thought to myself, now I've Baker acted cops in my career. Um, and it sucks. It just, you, but you take that extra step for our brothers and sisters. You know? Uh, now, their policies to be handcuffed. That's policy. Then, yeah. you know, so be it. So, you know, I, I'll tell you, the, the cops I Baker acted, I never handcuffed one. Yeah. yeah, never. And what I did also was I called the fire department and let them be transported in the back of an ambulance instead of the back wow. of a police car. And that, the, what I do—that just is that right there, though. That's, that's empathy and compassion, brother. And that's a yeah. that that little detail though that matters. Yes, that yes. matters. You're not, you you know, when you're they're getting be, put they're in the be back, pissed of at you. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. They're, they're going to be very pissed at you. But I also sat in the back of the ambulance with them. I didn't follow behind. I got in the back of the ambulance with them, talked with them. Some did talk, some didn't talk. Some said, you're injured in my career. And, uh, and, but I said to every cop that I Baker Act, including firefighters also, I said this, someday you're gonna thank me for this. Mm-hmm. And every one of them thanked me for it. Really? Yeah, every, every one of them. Now, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I, 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 said, I said it was this, I've been where you're at. And right there, that is, um, I think that, that goes, that, that, that goes so, so, so much with them. And um, I'm gonna give you another example. I got a, we got a call one night, um, it was a, a veteran, and uh, she's having a PTSD issue. Uh, and her, the call came out, she's gonna go suicide by cop. So, we, so we, we pull up, everybody's got their long guns out and they're doing all that stuff. I get officer safety, you know? One of the guys looks at me and goes, I'm gonna cap her ass if she comes out and blah, blah, blah. So, so there's, well, there's like five of us. So finally, I, I looked at them. Excuse my French when I say this. Has anybody tried to fucking talk to her? And they're, they're all like, there's no app for that. It's called your interpersonal. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, yeah, being a cop. yeah, yeah. You can't get on the phone and say, oh, shit, what do I do now, you know? And uh, so, uh, you know, they're like, oh, well, yeah, isn't that? Yeah, imagine that. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna use a personality, you know? Now, I get being safe. Don't get me wrong. She yeah. made threats and she's going to shoot a cop. She's going to go suicide. But I get that. I totally, totally get that. And I'm going to brag on here for a second. I was able to talk her out of the house. Um, and when she came out to the, the front, when she came out the door, I, I walked up with my gun in my holster. And I said, I'm here for you. And she put her arms out. And I, I gave her a hug. And she was shaking. She was crying. And when you said to me, thank you for being decent to me. Mm-hmm. And then she's about what really, really hit home when you said this to me. You said, I've never been, a, I never spent a day in the military. But I know it's like to str- struggle with mental health issues. And she said that really, really hit home. And I rode, rode in the ambulance with her. Uh, it, it was just, it was just, it was something, something good came out of something bad. But late, but later, you know, I hey, Sarge, you were, you were kind of soft on her. Now, would you rather be taught and treated as like an asshole, or would you have something with empathy or compassion? Did, yeah, did. you know, you know, it just was like wow. those people just haven't been there yet. In their no, life. they 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 haven't, and sometimes you have to learn the hard way. Sometimes you you know, but um, you know, it, it just it. It, it, it kind of is what it is, but getting back to like, like uh, you know, my, my work as a protecting guardian, we were all about education. We're all, we're all about, you know, what makes you, what, what makes you tick? What is it? What's the organization? I wasn't going uh, to it. So it's called, it's protecting the guardian. There's uh, the six members of us. Uh, we're all, all of us were in different organizations uh, prior to, um, to starting our own organization. I was, with, I was an organization that was a mental health for law enforcement. It was so toxic. Was, oh, really? Oh, you would think yeah, us mental health people would be, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, kumbaya <laughs> and hugging the trees yeah, and, you know, yeah. we're holding hands. And it was it toxic. It really was. And I'm not going to mention it. I'm not going to mention it by any means. Um, but I got nothing out of it personally. 
Uh, but I felt like I was back at work again. Yeah. You know, the belittling and all that stuff. So we, we got decided all uh, you know, four of us left on the same day. And we decided, you know, something, maybe we're all going to pursue our own thing. And then we came together again, which I believe that was the Lord. Yeah. And, uh, and we, so we go around the country, we, we talk, we, we teach peer support, curriculums and stress management. We, uh, but more so, we're not textbook. So we're not going to go in front of a group of people and say, hey, you know, the chemical balance of the brain says this and uh, the, 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 uh, the chemical does this. I'm going to say, listen, <laughs> I went through some tough times. Here's how I survived them, and here's how I moved on from them. I think that goes a lot more. Now, now I'm not taking anything away from mental professional because you, you need to learn about stuff like that. I, mm-hmm. I get that. But we're, we're, we're all practitioners. We do have a mental health professional that does talk a little about textbook. But what, he, what I like about him was also he knows the cop talk. So that, 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 go, that goes a long way also. So if a, if a department calls us up and says, listen, I want to start a peer support unit, we'll come out, we'll help them out as best as we can. Uh, I do most of the conferences. Um, and I, I, just, I, lo- I love talking, as you can probably tell. You know, and I, I, I have no problem getting in front of a group of 10 people or 1,000 people. It's, it's, no, it's no problem whatsoever. And, uh, but we, we go to conferences, but more so we have a bunch of resources on our, on our, on our, um, on our uh, website. And, uh, but more so is just to show cops that, Hey, listen, we got your back. That's the, that's the bottom line. So what makes us any different from anybody else? Is, is I it think, just law enforcement? Uh, for the most part. Now, now we're not going to say no to a firefighter. We're not going to say no to a paramedic. We're not going to say no to somebody from the military. Absolutely not. But we, we more, more so focus on, on, uh, on law enforcement. One of our members, uh, Therese, her dad was, was, was a deputy here in Seminole County, uh, Sergeant. He died by suicide five years after he retired. Five years after he retired, so she does the family aspect of that. She's very, very good at what she does, and she she has a phenomenal story. What she how she talks about. We have another guy, Ron Clark. He's I'm going to probably get his age wrong. I think he's 76 or 78 years old. He's a retired Connecticut State Trooper. He's a registered nurse and a mental health professional. Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this guy's the shit. Yeah, you yeah. Know, he this guy and I tell you, he can talk a dog off a meat wagon. Yeah, you know, he's just so good at what he does. My wife's in the organization. We have a guy from Texas. Uh, he's in the organization. Uh, he's a cop in Arlington, Texas. So we we don't we we're not. In, I guess is this also we're not in the glam and glitter of mental health. Uh, there's organizations that will have a gala, which is great. They'll have a gallery of like a thousand people and they're up there and these people are talking and on and on and on and the survivors are in there and that's great. But what are you doing for prevention? Yep. You know, prevention goes, goes a long, long way. Now we can't forget our survivors. Absolutely. The family that left behind, the coworkers that left, we can't, we can't forget those because suicide leaves a lot of unanswered questions and more so uh, if there's no note. But here's one thing, and I'm sure you guys can agree when I say this, I, I never saw any signs. I can't believe he or she died by suicide. I, wow, they're always so happy. They laugh and they joke. I, I, I can't believe that. Well, it's called wearing a mask. I wore that mask for years and years and years. And um, so we have to make difference. Somebody said to me one time, well, your, your, your goal in particular is this. You want zero suicides next year. Or, or, I'm sorry, that would be absolutely amazing, wouldn't it? It really would. Is it reality? No, it's not reality. But if we can cut the numbers down a little bit, but more so, if we can show an officer, whether you've you're been on the job for a year, two years, or you've been on the job 30 years, and if they're struggling with something mentally, okay, yeah, they, well, they do have our backs, or they do. Well, I feel like something like your organization allows cops to, so if you're not religious, or you're, let's say you're not practicing 
you know, going to church and stuff like that. Sure. Um, you know, other than your own father, your, you know, your own biological father, and maybe somebody else in your life, you don't really um, look uh, look up, submit to, you know, like uh, you don't really, you wouldn't really take good of trying to figure out the way it says cops are the problem solvers. Right. You're you're we the man of everybody's you're the, problems. You're the man of your house. Yep. You go out there, you have to be tough, you have to be a warrior. People are trying to kill you. Um, you're going from one call where, you know, you just saw you, someone's dead shot in the street and then you're going to an old lady who found a turtle in her pool. Right. It's just you and then so you're learning as you're a young cop to cope with all this. You're 5 years in, you're 10 years in now. You're an impen- impenetrable force of fucking fixing people's problems and being a man or a woman. Same thing. Right. And who do you go to? Right. You don't trust. You don't trust anybody. No, cops don't trust I'm, anybody. No. I'm not going to go talk to somebody, you know, who is going to feed me a line of bullshit right. because they're trying to benefit it from some. At best, they're trying to make themselves feel better by, sure. you know, so I ain't going to them. Yep. No, I'm not going. I, I know more than my can. I know more than these counselors. I know more than this. They don't understand. And it's like who there's there's nobody to go to. Where do I run to? You know? Yeah. That's why we need people that are advocates for mental health that say, listen, been there, done that. I was on the job. I'm still on the job. I'm here. I'm here to help you. I'm not here to criticize you. I'm not here to talk down to you. And I'm, I'm here to sh- get you on a path uh, like like battle buddies. That everybody needs a battle buddy, you know, and, and don't forget physical illness also, you know, somebody that, uh, and, and I, I relate to some mental health illness. Somebody comes into work one day, okay, and they're, they're, they're heads down, they're, they're not, you know, they're in the roll call room, and everything all right, bro? Yeah, oh, man, I just got diagnosed with cancer. Everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I am so, so sorry. And that's, that's cool. That's the way it should be. What can we do for you? You're right, bro. Man, that call really messed me up the other night. Uh, for the last two nights, I haven't slept. Uh, I'm having reoccurring nightmares. You know what most people do? Oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. What do we yeah. do? It's very simple. Have their back. You know, it's very, and I'm not comparing cancer to mental health illness because both of them are traumatic. Don't get me wrong yeah. when I say that. Uh, but and, and another thing I struggle, I, I struggle with also is cops that are killed in the line of duty. We should respect them. 100 percent you know the, the dc uh wall all that stuff respect respect give our brothers and sisters all the respect they were but how about the ones that die by suicide let's let's do it let's, let's do an autopsy of their brain okay mm-hmm. of what, what led them to the suicide and guess what let's give them some dignity and respect of all the cops i've known several cops have, have died by suicide i've known uh, I, I think five or six um it's a shame when you go to the funeral so the command staff's not there. Mm-hmm. There's no honor guard there. There's maybe three or four people. I went to one. I went to one, and uh, I'm not going to mention the agency, but I, I, I went to one, and the showing was disgusting. There was not one person in uniform, but I thought that was so tasteless. There was like maybe 30 people in the church. 25 were family. There was a couple of coworkers, but I thought that was so shameful yeah. because, in all honesty, that that cop that died by suicide put his life on the line also. Yeah, and it's just. You know, the job killed him. It did. I mean, the job yeah. killed him. There's, there's, there's he no wouldn't have done that if he was an executive uh, at a grocery store. Right, you right, know, right, he'd probably right. Be living yeah. it, and he chose but, to but go. But we're our own worst enemies when it comes to that because we're not going to recognize our own struggles. But departments or agencies that respect people, that see people struggling, instead, what they do, they blackball them. 
mm-hmm. and that's just wrong in so many ways. And, and not only yeah. is it should it be addressed, right? So it's not addressed. It's probably going to take another fifty years to catch up to what we're talking. Oh, absolutely. About right now. But, but you know, what's, can, can I cut you off for one second? Yeah. Here's what's really sad about that. When you use PTSD, PTSI, whatever you want to call it, post-traumatic stress disorder, post-traumatic injury, whatever you want to call it, okay? That's been going on since the Civil War. You know, it was called battle fatigue at one time. It was whatever it was shell called, shock. shell shock, yeah. all that stuff, you know? It's been going on forever, but here we are in 2023 going, what do we do? <laughs> yeah, you're right, right? Isn't that, isn't that pretty sad? Now, think about this also. Suicide goes back to biblical times. There were suicides in the Bible, and well, how do we handle this? Are you kidding me? Yeah, you're you're actively trying to not address it now. Exactly, the elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. No, you're good. Um, I just like not only is it need to be addressed, it needs to be addressed with its own. To uh, so it's kind of like the way I look at it. We, we love football, mm-hmm. right? Football is an American pastime. It is the best sport in the world. But it is unhealthy to do. It is unhealthy to do. But we understand that we're going to have people playing football, and that's it. So my chiropractor was a she was a sports. What do you call I that? Forget one? Her, um, her. She was a sports person for her, her doctor for, her, and um, she said, you know, I, these guys are going to go collide head to head. It's my job to make sure they do it as safe as possible. We're always going to have football. Let's not make it safe. We're always going to need police officers. Right. Uh, and I, the reason why I bring this up is because I, um, where we work, I think the case is closed. We can talk about it, but um, a woman went into a McDonald's, just started, bah, bah, she's mentally ill. Mm-hmm. We didn't know this at the time. Um, where am I sitting? Two blocks away. And I'm like, here we go. Yep. This is it. This is, this is, I'm either going to die or I'm going to quit after this because, or medically retire. It was just the radio traffic was that bad. Right. People were running, screaming. I don't know how many. We, we pull up. Long guns out. We're waiting at this point to determine if it's an active shooter or a barricade. We haven't on scene. We haven't heard shots. We started talking to people. They're like, everyone's out unless they're. Sh-. And then we could hear talking. I couldn't verify that there everyone was out, but there was no active shots. The barricade. I'm at the right. door waiting for her to move in front of me. And I was going to kill her. Um, and then as the scene, you know, you've been there as, it, as we start working as a, you know, a hundred people start showing up, I'm still right where I was waiting. And this sounds awful. I'm not trying. I don't want to. You're waiting to kill someone right. for hours. And then I was on a team that showed up and I changed my outfit and then went another job mm-hmm. for the agency. And, you know, that whole night that lasted six hours. And at the end of the day, it was in the middle of the tour. We had one more day left. Right. And we were told, um, it's not we were told. We had to come in. Yeah. I had to go home, go to sleep. That next day, I had the worst migraine. I didn't understand it. I yelled at an old lady at 7-Eleven for no reason. Right. I'm in, in my uniform, you know, and I'm like, I'm starting to think. And I was talking to my wife on the phone. I was like, I don't think I should be here right now. And nobody in the world should. But the whole the whole damn Squad went through it. Every squad where I work, we have to come in. We're cops. Right. So that being said, that should be addressed as far as um, I'm I'm bringing everybody in this next day for the hour. Every hour someone's coming in and you're you're going to tell me or not me, but maybe somebody on the team. You're good. 
Yeah. I need to hear that from you. Yeah. Because we didn't get shit. The next week, uh, our lieutenant came in and addressed it, and I, I spilled right. Super, my supervisor was sitting right there. I said, not one person asked us if we were okay. Not one person. It's a total it was shame. just, you know, and it, it wasn't traumatic. It just had the ability to be. It was just so stressful. No one died. Right. She was apprehended. She's good to go. She's probably out now. But right. you know, and it's just uh, that whole scene. You know, there's. Uh, no one cared. And that goes for every single traumatic incident that happens to a cop. Sure. And then you, de- when no one asks if you're okay, you start developing, no one cares. And right. then no you're one jaded. cares. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, now that's just how I'm supposed to feel. I'm supposed to feel. But think this about way. this also. So you get, you get, you, you're, you're on a, a, a serious thing. Like you just spoke about and you go home that, that night or that morning, whatever shift you work and uh, you wash up, you go to bed, you're laying in bed. What do you, what are you going to think of? Yep. You're right. And now you're supposed to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And then get up and guess what? You do it again the next day. You know, or your next shift or, or, or whatever, you know. And is, think about the trauma, the toxic toxic things that you see through your career. And and I, I was talking to a guy one time. Um, it, it kind of alarmed me at first. Um, I was at I, I was I was I forget where I was, but I just started talking to this, this gentleman for some reason. Somehow we got on a subject of, of police work. He goes, oh, I'm retired NYPD. I said, oh, man. I said, how many years do you do? He said, I did 25 years. I said, oh, okay. I said, uh, yeah, I'm retired off the job also. So we're talking about that. And then he goes, yeah, I was, I was right there when both towers fell. I said, okay. And he goes, I've been involved in like four officer involved shootings. Uh, I killed all four. On and on. And he's telling me all about it. But it, it, it sounded like he was kind of like bragging. But I don't think he really was. It was his way of saying yeah, it. Yeah, His way of talking. So I said to him, I said, so what are you doing for yourself? And he goes, well, what do you mean? I go, do you ever have nightmares of, of, the, of your shootings? Do you have nightmares of 9-11? Do you have nightmares of just, no, no, not at all. I go, nothing bothers you? He's not one thing at all. That guy's a liar. Yep. You know, and, I, and I'm not disrespecting my brother by any means, but that guy's a liar. He, well, it, yeah. it, 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 he's a li- lying, and he's probably really, 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 really good at car- compartmentalizing. Yeah, yeah. But eventually... Yeah. It's going to catch up. It, it yeah. is. And, and that's why I said to him... You're not a robot. You're a human right. with a soul. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like the check engine light. Eventually, <laughs> eventually, you got you got to get a fix. I keep going. <laughs> yeah. Who, nobody likes going to the mechanic, right? No, Nobody, you know, how much is it going to cost me, right? Yeah. That's, that's all you think about. And you're driving here, you're looking at that check engine light. Oh, man. It could be something as a wire, simple as simple as a wire. Mm-hmm. Or it could be your transmission, yeah, you know. So think wow, about that with that your really... with, with, with with your with your body, okay? You're, you're like, oh man, or, or like when you pull water into a cup, eventually it's going to overflow. So I was telling them that, and I said, hey man, first of all, I'm going to pray for you, and second of all, I have some resources. So here's my card. Uh, yeah, he lives in Central Florida, and I said I have a lot of resources for you. But, you know, you got to look out what's best for you. Nothing bothers me. And I, I didn't mean to call him a liar. That's probably not the right word, the word to use. But he, he, he scared me. He, mm-hmm. he really did. And he's like, he's late 50s. And I said, so, so I said, what do you do for wellness? You know, and he goes, oh, you know, I have a beer. I have no problem having a beer. Um, I go, do you like golf? Do you, uh, do you go to the gym? Do you listen to music? I, I, I don't know. Do you do? No, no. I just, I just, uh, I sit in my office and all my NYPD stuff's all over the walls and on and on and on. I've been I, there. Yeah. I've been at houses oh, like that, retired yeah. houses. Where it's kind of sad, isn't they're it? They're old. They're so old. You're really there for a medical thing. Yeah, yeah. And you're like looking at the accolades and you're like, damn, it's oppressive. Of course it is. And but we should, that's and we should, what, yeah, we should respect those guys. But and girls. that's what, you know, yeah. that's, what, that's your hobby is thinking about the past, yeah. like thinking. 
And again, maybe that's their way of not going insane because sure, as soon as sure. you start addressing. But like, I think it's identity thing also. Yeah, you, you know, oh and, gosh, and yeah, it's funny yeah. you should say that we said medical because I went on a medical call one time. Kansas nine one one hang up, and I knock on the door. Lady answers the door. She asks my husband. He's uh, he's he's uh, he's hospice, and uh, I need an ambulance. And uh, I said, okay, where's your husband now? She said, oh, he's you know he's 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 in a, he's in the bedroom. And I said, do you mind if I wait and talk with him? She said he would love to talk. He's a retired cop. I said, okay, yes, ma'am, absolutely. I walk in there. He's in a hospital bed, weighs about eighty pounds. Uh, his whole room had everything was was police, 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 police. And uh, I, I go, hey, sir, how you doing? I said, the ambulance is on the way. I said, you know, what can, what can I do for you now? And uh, he's like, just, just, I don't know what's going on. I, I'm embarrassed. I had an ambulance has to come and get me. I'm like, it's nothing to be embarrassed about, sir. And uh, he put his hand on top of my arm in my hand, and he squeezed it. He goes, Sarge, I was one of you. I said, I cried like a schoolgirl. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I just, we're, all three of us, him, his wife, we're all sitting there crying. Yeah, you know, and but you know, and I'm like, oh my god, you know, I, I, I and then the paramedics walk in, they're like, what, what was I? Yeah. <laughs> we're in the right house. What, what am I walking into here? You know, and, and but it was just so so sad. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you another story. This 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 upset me. It, it really did. Um, Another time, you know, you know, cops go to convenience stores. That's what we do, you know. Yeah. That's what you know. Obviously, they're open twenty four hours. <laughs> you know, Seven Eleven. Oh yeah, yeah. Now it's Wawa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. So I'm standing there one day, and this guy comes up. And he starts. He starts. Uh, he starts talking to me, and uh, we're talking. He goes, "Hey, I'm I'm retired from Chicago PD." I said, "What'd you do with them?" He goes, "I was a homicide detective." Obviously, that guy was busy. <laughs> yeah, you know. And uh, so we're talking. And uh, I said, "Okay." I said, uh, "What? You know, are you retired now?" Yeah, I am. I am. And I'm like, oh, but but I could just tell, because you know we we're tra- we're trained to read people, yeah. you know. I could just tell there's something up with him. So I, I said, oh, I said, well, you know, do you have a good career? He goes, yeah, but you know, he goes, yeah, I I, I have terminal cancer. And I said, okay. I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, yeah, you know. And uh, so we're talking about his cancer and all that stuff. And I I said, now when's your next um, chemo treatment? He goes next Wednesday. I said, I'm, I'm going to drive you there. And he goes, what? I said, no, sir, I, 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 it, would, I, it would be an honor for me to, me to drive you there. So I picked him up. Um, we went to breakfast beforehand. I picked him in the cruiser. Uh, uh, yeah, because I, that, that, I, I knew that would mean something to him. Yeah. And uh, I stayed with him during chemo and then drove him home. Uh, he since has passed away. But I was telling one of, my, uh, one of my bosses that what I did. You know what the answer was? The, the question I was asked? Do you feel a writer writer release form? Oh <laughs> like, my! Like, are you, uh, I, I, I know. And the sad thing is, I believe you <laughs> so hard. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, are you shitting me? Yeah. yeah, you know. I'm like, I go, no, 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 he didn't. I said, so are you going to write me up? Well, I'm just going to, you know, verbally counsel yeah. you on that. Instead of saying, hey man, that was really cool. Because if one of the guys yeah. on my squad said, I, I would have wrote this guy up. I would have wrote this thing up to make him. You know, to, to do the right, you know, and that's called, all leadership. It depended it, on what he all, did. Yeah, you probably it, it, with one paragraph from that leader, he could have got you an award. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not that I was looking for a pat on yeah. the back. That's not what I was. Again, that's doing the right thing. Yeah, you know. And I, I just did. You fill a right release form. <laughs> well, you're. I feel like I'm probably a lot like the cop that you were. When there's no stat sheet for the amount of people you positively impact. Oh, in a there's day. none whatsoever. You come home. Yeah. Your energy's drained. Sure. You're sure. doing the drive home because you just changed the life in 12 hours. Probably, if you try, probably three people. It could, you know. Easily. And these people are like, that cop just was, you know, and you're 
done. Like you have to go recharge and that's your job. Right. And then somebody will hit you with, and it is what it is. You don't, obviously a humble person is not going to go Sarge. I just taught, I just changed the life of three people. Right. You're going to go home and then you're going to get hit with, hey, Mark, can you get some more traffic stops? You yeah. Know, you're not really performing very well. Yeah. And you're like, and that's the job. Right. You want to go out there and do good. And then you got to, you know, you have to show that, you know. Right. So what do you do now? Because are you in a band? No, I am not in a band. Uh, I would like to be. <laughs> um, Did you so, start music after? After I, yeah, yeah. I all my life I was into music. I, I just, I, I love, love music. Music got through some, got me through some very, very difficult, tough, tough times in my life. I relate my life now more so now to music. Um, so it's like the Foreigner song, um, "Jukebox Hero." Uh, bought a second guitar. Yeah, you know. So I was, I, 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 right after I retired, I went to a concert and uh, and I'm watching them play. I'm like, wow, that looks that looks really cool, you know. So like anybody else, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I can, I can do that. So what I set a goal in my life at that concert was, I am gonna learn how to play the guitar and keyboards. I uh, guitar and keyboards. Um, I'm self taught. Uh, I do need to take lessons. There's no, no, no <laughs> yeah, this, maybe I'm being a loose sheep. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I, yeah, I, I do need to take lessons because. Uh, but I, what I do is, it's, it's, I call it music therapy. So I have an acoustic guitar. I have two electric guitars. So if you might, if you mind, I want to tell you another feel good story. If that's yeah. okay. Um, I was at a conference uh, not too long ago, and I talk about what things that things that you know step outside your out, outside your boundaries. Do things that you thought you would never do. You know, like skydiving or, or whatever. So I never in my life thought I would buy a guitar. Yeah, you know what I mean? And yeah. I bought it on Amazon. Yeah, you know, and uh, so I'm talking about that. And it makes me feel good. And um, so at the end of my, uh, you know, I told my story about my suicide attempts and all that. So this guy comes up to me and says, uh, hey, listen, uh, you really inspired me. I said, hey, bro, I appreciate that. It gives me a hug and all that. So he goes, I play the guitar also. And I also build and repair guitars. I want to give you a guitar as a gift. Get and out. I'm like, no, man. You know, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, maybe it's a Les Paul or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I said, no, man, you don't have to do that, man. I, I, I said, I, dude, I, I, bro, I appreciate that more than you think. I, you don't have to do that. He goes, nope. I would take an insult if you don't, if you don't let me send you a guitar. So I said, um, all right, man. Yeah, that, that sounds really good. So he sent me a Telecaster, which is, which is uh, by, by Fender. It's a great, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a nice guitar. <laughs> yeah, he was like, just rebuilt it. It's tuned and all that stuff. I couldn't wait for that UPS trip to get there. <laughs> yeah, I got my app going, you know. I'm like, oh, when's it going to get here? Wow. But I thought that was so, and I, you know, of course I offered to pay for it. I said, well, let me, let me, let me at least pay shipping. Nope, yeah. you're not paying nothing. He goes, you inspired me. Now I'm giving back to something uh, that I, I believe in. I'm like, oh my God, that's so... It is, oh, it's a beautiful guitar. It's smooth in your hands. So that that that's what I do in life. That's one of my things I, I love to do is I love to play music. I, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not that good at it. Uh, but I uh, I actually record myself playing, and, yeah. and it's just so it's just so much fun. It, it really is. And a lot of times my wife and I, like, um, you know, uh, this Tuesday is my birthday, and we're going, to, we're going over to Treasure Island for a couple of days. Okay. You know, it's my, like my favorite place. I love going to the beach. Treasure Island is just like, this is my place. So that, we love doing that. But we're driving over there, we sing. Yeah, you know, we, yeah, we just, you know, we, we, everything from like a 70s song to, and, you know, we're, we're both Christians, so we like our faith-based music also. Um, you guys are like 
17-year-olds again. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love and life. Yeah, yeah, and we have sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been married for 32 years and we're still having sex. So there's something going on there. Yeah, yeah. I like to think it's me, but... <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, but, but it, it, it's good. It really is. There's a song by a faith-based band called Mercy Me called Happy Dance. And it's raise your hands if the good Lord saved you. Yeah, we're, we're dancing as we're driving. It's just so, so much fun. So uh, so I, get, I guess in my long way I'm saying this. Don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. Mm. You know, like I, I'm never skydive. No way. No, <laughs> no, not, no, no, not, yeah. no, no. That's way out of my comfort zone. But just something simple is like, you know, for me, like buying a guitar yeah. uh, and, and sitting by my pool with my acoustic and just strumming with my headphones on. It's just, it's just really, really cool. Now, my ultimate goal is, yeah, do I want to be in a band? Yes, yes, I, I do. But I, um, I, I would, I'm not at that point now where I'm comfortable to, uh, to take that next step because I, obviously I need guitar lessons. Um, I have a uh, buddy of mine is going to yeah he, um, he this guy's phenomenal guitarist and uh, and I, I'm not talking out of school about about him. Uh, he's got PTSD uh, from childhood trauma. Never never was a cop or anything like that. And um, so I think two people with PTSD playing the guitar is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah you know and, and uh, so step out of your comfort zone. Yeah you know um, all my life I wanted to have long hair. You know, and I used to tell the guys and girls all the time I work, when I retire, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to grow my hair long. And I did. Guess what? Also, I got a marijuana card. Good for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I take a gummy before I go to bed. Hell yeah. Yeah, So... I, we'll wrap it up. This has been a great episode. Oh, yeah. I'll Uh, I'll talk for the next four hours if you want. Yeah. I wanted to uh, talk to you about, you know, finding God and, Mm -hmm. you know, like, for instance, like a question right there. um, Is it a sin to use marijuana? No. No, it's not. I know nothing about it, so yeah. I'm not trying to catch you up. And no, 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 it, it, no, no, because it, it, it's not a sin. Also, to uh, if you prescribed a mental health drug like 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 Boosperin, uh, yeah, and I, I take it's an antidepressant, and I take that also. And uh, no, it's it's not a sin uh, because you know why. And, and maybe somebody that's that listening to this and say, "Oh no, he's so off base or whatever." The Lord put marijuana in my life. You know, um, my primary care doctor, I was talking to him one day, I said, I'm a little on edge and, you know, on and on and on. He's like, um, I'm having some sleep issues. And he goes, uh, you ever, you ever tried marijuana? I'm like, doc, I was a cop. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even allowed to look at CBD. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He goes, well, first of all, you're not a cop anymore. I'm like, okay, good point. <laughs> and, uh, and he, he goes, uh, he goes, there's different types of marijuana, uh, uh, indigo, which is, which is for sleep. He goes, that's what I would suggest. And I'm like, ah, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. So I got my marijuana card, and uh, it was, it, uh, yeah, I, I, I take a, a, a gummy before I go to bed, not, not every night, but before I go to bed, especially if I feel a little on edge or whatever, and it just tones me down, you know, you know. And uh, I think that, I think that that's just really, really cool, you know. It's kind of weird for retired cops to say, oh yeah, marijuana, yeah, that's great, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, so, and, but I've listened to also when you mentioned about faith. Um, I was going through a tough time at work. Um, and I and I and uh, this sounds really really weird when I say this. A lot of people don't like Joel Osteen. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's no, I know the name. Yeah, he's a famous preacher. Yeah, yeah, he's out of Texas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, he. Yeah. Clo- oh, yeah, because he, he closed the doors younger. on the homeless people during a storm. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. so I remember this. He's this evil person. Go yeah. to some people. Yeah. Well, well, and it's funny because my wife started listening to him before I started listening to him. She's like, "Hey, listen to this guy, Joel Osteen." So I started listening. I'm like, yeah, he's a little bit more of a motivational speaker than he is uh, than, than he is faith based, but something caught my ear, 
you know, something he was saying would caught my ear. So I started listening to him, listening to him, listening to him. Then he started talking about being born again, accepting Jesus into your life. And I'm like, oh yeah, what, what is this? I'm a Catholic. Oh, yeah. You know, we go to the altar, we say two Hail Marys and everything's fine. Yeah, you know, and I'm not bad mouthing the Catholic religion by any means. But um, then he started talking about being born again, accepting Jesus and all that stuff. And um, so my wife and I accepted Jesus and our life has changed considerably. Now, do I still sin? Yes. Yeah, you well, know, you're human. But yeah, we're only human. But I've learned now that the Lord, he'll test the waters with you. He will do so much good in your life that you, re- you realize how, how good your life really, really is. And I can honestly say when I say this, if I drop dead here right now, I'm going to heaven. There's no, there's no, I might have a sidebar. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, Mark, let me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a boss NASA. Come here, you, you bastard. Yeah, yeah. Would you park your car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I truly believe I'm going to heaven. There's, there's, there's no doubt. I don't push my faith on people, but this is a wellness for me uh, that I get a lot of satisfaction from, like, like the music. Uh, like this, I, I I I just love talking about mental health, and I love talking about faith. I love talking about music, and thank you guys obviously for giving me the opportunity to do this. Oh yeah, um, but um, there is life after the job. Yeah, there, but guess what? There's life during the job also. You know, you don't have to work 24 hours a day. You know, and uh, I got to the point where I get in my cruiser and I turn it on. I go to put it in park. It would take me 10 minutes to pull out of my driveway because I was in anxiety. I don't want to go to work today. Yo, what, oh, what, you know, and, and I'm, I'm telling you right now, the bad guys did not give me anxiety. Nope. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, so no, no, no. You want to give me anxiety? My coworkers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, and the, the nasty, some of the nasty people that I worked with, you know, it's, uh, it's and, a, and I really, really hate talking bad about other cops because I'm an old school cop, the brotherhood and all that stuff. But there are some toxic, toxic people in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And, the people in, in the job, let's say you got, let's say you got a squad full of cool people. You're still going to an alpha-dominated, oh. uh, high-energy. Yep. Uh, you're not yep. going to, to your cubicle to chill with Barbara. Right. You know, from eight to five. You are going and right. just the job in general. You know, you and I hated. I talked about it last podcast. Um, supervisors. You know, uh, being the buffer from admin. My guy. If, if I'm ever a supervisor, the first thing is I'm never going to forget. That where you came from, where you came from, yep. and that what these guys do every day. Sometimes I think as cops, we accept the fact that someone could walk up to your window and, and kill you, or or you could show up to a domestic and get killed, or you or can yeah. you can take five, ten, fifteen years of trauma and kill yourself. Yeah, um, we forget all that because it's a job to us. Right. And then I don't, um, I'm not when my lieutenant. It's like you go through all that, and then you get a call from your sergeant. And you're like, that's just more stress, more anxiety. Hey, can you meet me? Can you 56 me over here? Yeah. Like, you're like, God. You know what my and then pe- it's over something stupid. And you know like, what my pet peeves was? And I, I used to call people out all the time on this, is when a supervisor gets on the radio and says, call my phone. Yeah. Okay. You know, I used to key up and say, confirming yours doesn't dial out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, I think that's bullying. Yeah, it because is. Because everybody heard it. Yeah. And everybody's going, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's like getting it, called to the Right, right, right. It's, it's the longest walk ever, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Or when they tell you, you know, 1019 to my office. Yeah. And you're driving here going, oh, God. You think, okay, what, that last call, was it two weeks ago or what? Or whatever. To me, that's punking. That's, that's, that's bullying. Yep. That's, that's it, exactly what it and is. It, and the cops go through so much. Right. And now, now you're being abused by our own on top of that. That's yeah. bullshit. You know, yeah. it's total, total bullshit. You know, I, you know it, it's funny. Because I, I, I think about this all the time. I got sworn in on June 6, 1985. 
which which national National Donut Day, by the way. So, <laughs> okay, so, so it was just meant to be. But I I, I got sworn June 6, nineteen eighty five, in a town outside of Boston called Braintree. That was one of the most happiest days of my life. My mother actually pinned my badge on on, on me. I thought that was so cool. But here we are now, uh, July. 16th, right? Is it July 16th? 16th, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah two days before my birthday. I should probably should know this, okay? <laughs> so, but here we are, uh, in J- July 16th, 2023. If you said to me, hey, listen, you're going to be in Lake Mary, you're going to you're going to be on a podcast. First of all, I go like, what the hell's a podcast? <laughs> okay, yeah, you know, but but I, I'd be like, and you're going to talk about mental health, okay? I'm like, that's crazy. That's it's ridiculous. That ain't going to happen, you know? I ain't moving yeah. to Florida. Yeah, yeah, I'm not moving to Florida. Yeah, yeah, you know? The pizza sucks down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but it's just like, it's funny how life changes. So sometimes you have to roll with the changes. But remember this at work. Sometimes you have to roll with the changes at work also. But the day somebody goes either way to be nasty to you because they can, I'm sorry. I got, no, I got, I got, I got nothing for you. I, yeah. I, I literally, literally. Everybody, you know, and, and I talk about this all the time in my presentations. You go to a, you go to a, um, you go to a training class or you, or you go to some type of meeting or whatever and the person's going to speak, speak. You can smell the arrogance as soon as they walk in the room. Yes. And they're in front of the room and they're talking down. Oh, when I was on the road, I made 15 arrests a night. I got kilos of cocaine. I wrote 90 tickets one day on, but they were total slugs from the word go, you know, but whether they're hiding behind their rank, they're hiding behind their, their whatever. I get, I get nothing that, for you. That or they're divorced three times and they don't ever see their kids. Right. You know, they're, they're right. so they, they doubled down on police work because they let, they let the job ruin their life. They sold their souls. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so now well, you can't turn your back on the only thing that works for you is right. police work. So, so what do you do? You drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, you, and you just tell people what they want to hear. Yeah. You know, but, but when you, when you go to work and you want to make life miserable for people, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I just literally, I just literally have nothing for you. And I, and I explained that to some of the big bosses in the command staff one time. I said, I'm not going to mention names, but these people, they go out of the way to make life miserable. I was in a sergeant's meeting one time. Lieutenant comes in and says, hey, listen, says to one of the sergeants, so-and-so is coming to your squad effectively uh, Monday. Uh, this person has been doing stupid stuff. Uh, he's on the verge of getting fired. Blah, 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 on and on and on. The sergeant looks at the lieutenant and goes, I'll get him out of here. And I just go, whoa, I go, wait a minute here. I said, first of all, put him on my squad. Yeah. Has okay. anybody talked to this guy? Has anybody talked to him? Has anybody took him by the hand? Has anybody, you know, said, listen, you know, okay, what you did was pretty stupid, okay? Yeah. But you had good intentions, okay? So let's educate you a little bit. Let's take you to a, uh, let's put you in a 40-hour search and seizure class or, or, or something like that. Why aren't we going to take this person by the hand? And, now, if they're that far gone, then, you know, then so be it. It's like being an FTO. You have, you, have a, you have a training in your car, you're like, you know, something, wow. You might, you might, you might want to go back to your old job. Yeah, yeah, you know, paper like, or plastic, oh, right? Like, yeah, how, yeah. Did you, how did you get to my car seat right now? Right. Well, how, it's very who, simple. Who was letting you pass? Right, because well, people don't have that difficult conversation. Yeah. So your three other FTOs said, oh, this person's great. Then you're sitting there going, no, this person isn't that great. Now, is your goal to get rid of them? No. Your goal, your goal is to work with them. Now, if they, if they, but if they're not cutting it, this job's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. There, there's no question about this. This job is definitely not for any, for everybody. And it comes times you have to move on from your career, whether it's retirement or guess what? Nah, I'm not digging this anymore. Yep. You know, so. Yeah. Do you want to plug the organization a little bit? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd be more happy to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's Protecting the Guardian. We have a Facebook page. We have a LinkedIn page. And we, and we, and we have a uh, website. We will come to your agency and we will do the right thing. We will... We, we will, 
do the right thing for the officers, you know, you know uh, no matter what rank they are. And, uh, and we don't say no also. You know, our, our budget is very, very limited. But if, a, if I'm just going to use an example. If an agency in Kentucky that has a four-person department says, hey, listen, um, um, we want you to come in, but we can't afford it, guess what? We're, 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 we're going to come in. There's, there's, there's no question about that. Again, we're not into glam and glitter or anything like that. We are into what's best for the officers. And you're never too old to learn. So education goes a long way. Um, I spoke at a chief of police conference one time. I pissed off half the room. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. But if I tell you what happened, hospitality night that night. We like we like hospitality night. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I'm in there. A uh, chief comes up to me. She says this. She goes, you know something? When you talked about uh, toxic bosses, I am that toxic boss. I said, okay. I said, like, ma'am, I'm sorry to hear that. She said, I am going to make change. What? Yeah. You yeah, got a cop yeah, yeah, to admit yeah, that they're yeah, wrong and they're going to yeah. change their now, ways? Now, has she changed? I didn't follow up with her because I said, if anything I can do for you, by all means. But then I threw this claim out. So I said, listen, if I pissed you off, I apologize. But some, she said, no, I needed to hear some stuff because I've heard the rumors the guys aren't happy with me. She said, I, I have a kind of a small department, so we, we kind of know everybody's business. But um, she was, I am going to make change. And I said, okay. Now, I've never heard back more. Whether you make change or not, that, that I, I don't know. So we're into that also. We're into, we're into making change. But I think our biggest, biggest thing also is, remember your family also. Your family will always, always be there for you. The 12.25 hours that you spend on shift with your coworkers and your buddies and you're having a good time, that's great. That, that, that really, really is. But here's the deal. You have to go home. You have to answer to your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your kids. You know that, that that comes first. Family comes first. So I think yeah. that's kind of what sets sets us aside in probably different organizations. So yeah, protectingtheguardian.com. <laughs> um, we 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 do we do good work, and I'm not I'm not here to brag about it, but we we, we do good work. And he said it. He'll come for free. Yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. Yeah. <laughs>